No one, I mean no one, likes a micromanager. Humans simply do not excel when they can't make their own decisions, and it's widely known and understood it's the worst leadership method. So why are there so many micromanagers, and are you forced into micromanagement? There's actually a case that micromanaging could be good, or maybe you're thinking, Man, I'm micromanaging a lot lately and I shouldn't be. I'm paying people to do things and it feels like I have to make every decision. And no matter how you slice it, it does seem like micromanaging is a very frustrating thing. But we're going to break down why is that happening and how could it actually be good? We'll talk about that coming up next. You found the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk about all things leadership because leadership isn't just what you do, it's who you are. So we help to make you a better leader, help keep your sanity, and make your team better so you make more money. So every week we talk about a different topic that helps you do all those things. So hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Tell all your colleagues and friends, and let's get a discussion going on how we can grow together as better leaders. Welcome everybody back to the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast from across America and around the world. So on the last episode, we got into a discussion about being replaceable and how to renew yourself rather than being replaced. This week, I want to go into the opposite direction about being too controlling. You know, in the you could be replaced that's kind of out of your control in most circumstances, unless it was your fault. But um, you can go the other road of being overbearing. Or unfortunately, maybe you're working in a space where somebody's overbearing on you. So in the intro, I said, are you forced into micromanagement? You might be thinking, how is someone forced into being a micromanager? Again, one of the points from last week was that you might not be able to pick your own team or what if your own work environment is based on compliance and checkoff list? What if goals and results are so intense that there's just no time for development of others? In other words, you you just have to get it done and there's zero development time. You just have to make things happen. And anything you do... You know, people above you, they can't wait for results. They can't give you the time to really get your team where it needs to be. You you just got to get it done. And it's just just easier if you jump in and just do it. But how does that affect your mental health as a leader? How does that affect your team's true performance if they literally can't do anything? I'll never forget, not that long ago, I had a couple of different Actual, there were other leaders, there were managers um, come to my, um, where, where I was managing, and they had just left, probably, I mean, I could almost make a whole show about how horrible of a micromanager this person was to the point that it was just abusive. And it was just stunning where I would kind of expect them to just be doing things and they were just kind of waiting for a direction for somebody to make a decision. And it's like, this is your wheelhouse. You should be making these decisions. And they weren't making any of them. They were actually scared. They were all talented, but they just couldn't make a decision for fear of being wrong, for fear of being changed and doing it over and over again. 
and things like that. And I saw that in another instance where this other micromanager was so not even just overbearing, but even after making a decision about something and then they were going to do it, he would change it again anyway. And then it got to the point where when they were supposed to execute on things and the plan had already been made and discussed and agreed upon that they didn't do it that morning. And he's looking around like, where, what's going on? So he calls everybody into a meeting and they had all the materials, but they literally called him out on it, not directly saying, hey, you're an overbearing micromanager, but really just let him know, uh, yeah, we're, we're tired of, of being wrong and we're not wrong, but the decisions keep getting changed because you won't make up your mind or you want to put a final seal of approval on it or whatever. And they just didn't want to do it twice. So I thought that was actually pretty cool that they band together. And think about that just for a second. They on their own band together and, and said, you know what? We're not going to do it. We're going to wait. And when this person comes in, they can make their decision then. And what great teamwork, really. It was kind of funny for me. Um, but how about this one? And stop me if you've heard this one, the duality of leadership. And this is something I've kind of coined a phrase on. Um, when you think about meaning you as a leader are led one way, but you have to lead your people a different way. So for you, because you're a leader, because you're in management, however you want to phrase it, that there's this tough love for you because you should just be doing things, getting things done, making things happen, and all of that, where they're asking you with the people you're leading, oh, well, let's talk about culture. Let's talk about empathy. Let's talk about um, you know team synergy and all those things and, and get into the why people want to be here and, and all of that. But it never happens for you because you're in a leadership position. And I always felt like a lot of companies have this duality of leadership where, oh, because you're a manager and because you're in a position of power, you should just do things and make it happen. And what happens is you're all human. We are motivated by the same thing when you're talking about appreciation or recognition or opportunities available to you or doing meaningful work. All of that is the same for everybody. The only difference is we just have re different responsibilities for things that we're doing. That's it. But yet we treat managers differently because they're leaders and like they can't be motivated by higher level things. It doesn't make any sense. And it sure doesn't make any sense if you're expected to be leading people a certain way and you're not led that way. That is no different than you think of a, a, a parent of a child who's abusive or or flies off the handle but yet they get every every they get shocked when their kid doesn't do well in school and I don't mean do well grades wise I mean like gets along with other people gets in trouble all of that and it's like well that's how you are you can't project one thing and expect another and for the life of me I'll never understand why companies especially when they have multiple tiers large companies that that sort of thing that their leaders are motivated the exact same way, but how do you expect them to lead other people if they're not led that way? It really makes no sense. So if that's going on, that's something you really have to recognize. And unfortunately, you might not be in a position in your company to change all of that, but 
you can at least filter it on your end. You can be that stopgap. Okay, well, I'm not led this way, but but damn it, I'm not going to lead this way. I'm going to lead the right way, the way I should, and recognize the fact, well, maybe you're not. But don't let that deprogram you or change who you want to be, which is a whole other topic, I know. But think about that for just a second. You don't want to be that leader, but because you're not led that way, you become that leader. It makes no sense. And don't do that. Don't fall for that trap. But recognize that lead the way you want to lead, the, the way you know is the right way to lead. So don't get too wrapped up in that. As much as people hate to work for a micromanager, there are actually necessary roles that require a micromanager. So think about a, a, a trauma patient in the emergency room. And you all watch it on TV and they come in and there's the, the one doctor is just firing off instructions and who's going to do what and when. And of course, that makes sense. We're talking about saving a life. Somebody's bleeding out. Somebody needs some particular procedure done immediately. And there cannot be a committee to decide that. There just can't. Or you think about a fire department at an active fire at a house. You can't just huddle around the truck and say, oh, well, maybe we'll do this or do that. And then maybe we'll try this other theory or this. No, that stuff's already been drilled and practiced and figured out. It's just like an NFL team during the game. You know, they're not running plays by committees. It's drilled, practiced over and over, just like that fire department, just like that trauma team, although the doctor is leading it, the nurses and everybody else involved in that, or they, they have drilled what they're doing. They've been trained and they're really just zeroing in on the execution part of everything. That's what they're doing. You may be thinking, okay, those are nice stories. How does that equate to what we're talking about here on a leadership podcast and business and stuff like that? But aren't there job functions that take, they, they have just as much writing on the execution part of it than anything else. So you think about if you were at a sales presentation, real large one, and they, but but you know three or four of you had to go because it was a big deal, and you got maybe seven or eight people listening at another company and things like that. So you're all in the room, but don't you already coordinate who's saying what when? Maybe it's just the one person giving the entire presentation, but maybe some some of your other experts are in there to for for backup knowledge and all that. So maybe they're in there, but what you don't do is start debating with each other or start overstepping each other or look like the other person doesn't know what the other person is doing, right? It's all about execution. So in that sense, there has to be some micromanaging. There has to be that one person doing all the controlling for right then and there. Someone has to direct the traffic. And in the day-to-day -day operation or in the macro no one really wants to be viewed as a micromanager, meaning all the time. So how do you know that you're not one of them? Because, well, you know, unfortunately, there are some people who <laughs> thrive on that. But how do you know you're not one of them? And obviously, a lot of the quote unquote symptoms, if you want to call it that, could be super obvious. And some might not be. Some might be a little bit more hidden. But there's a great article from Tarina Allen on Forbes.com. 
if you do these five things, it's obvious you are a micromanager. And maybe these are obvious, but again, just kind of sit through and listen to some of these, see if they make sense. And maybe they're just a little more subtle than you think. So number one, you try to manage people as opposed to leading the team. And you think about every little move that's made has to go through you. Uh, th that team I was telling you about earlier, where those managers came, they all the three of them came from this other particular manager and they literally were afraid to make a decision because that other person made them all, all day. Even though they were very good at what they did, they didn't need direction. They weren't lost by any means. They knew exactly what they were doing. And once I got that mindset out of their head again, they were great. They, There's no reason not to. And, and selfishly a little bit, I kind of think about how much am I paying these people? It might sound like a like a very narrow-minded thing to say, but on the other half, other hand, it's like how much are we paying these people to do to, to be that expert, to be in that role, to make things happen, but then we're telling them everything to do? It really makes no sense whatsoever. So real simple, you manage things but lead people. That's a very easy way to think about it. So Number two, you tend to shut down ideas that you don't propose. Boy, this is a classic one that the person in charge doesn't want to sound like somebody else came up with a better idea. And there's a couple of things going on with this one because that it's like a scarcity or thinking there's going to be a scarcity of ideas and it's got to come from them. But really, it stems from an insecurity of that leader. That if somebody else thought of something better, oh, well, I can't allow my bosses to see that so-and-so did it. Um, that is really, really insecure on their part as far as who they think they should be and who they aren't. So that's that's really interesting. Three, you hover excessively in an attempt to control and oversee everything. I don't know how anybody gets their best work done with somebody constantly over their shoulder. but you can start telling in each one of these scenarios what we're really talking about. There's a lot of lack of trust here that this person can't do this or can't do that. Um, well, you know, it's funny, this this uh, other leader I keep referring to where, where three leaders came to me from them. Uh, another thing this person did was there was uh, open reviews. Like if you ever had a 360 review or, or people, uh, you know, talk about who you are. So people that are on your level, people below your level, people above your level, give you feedback about your performance. And this person literally stood over people doing that. It just that insecure is ridiculous. But how do you hover? Honestly, this is tiring to listen to. If you're a micromanager, I don't know how you have time to do all this stuff. But do you find yourself hovering over people all the time and then try to control them like a puppet master makes no sense at all. Number four, you intrude on employees' lives professionally and personally. Oh boy, this is a really, really interesting one. And you see this particularly in movies all the time where, you know, everybody, the, the second they get some kind of personal time, the boss is calling, there's an email, there's this, there's that. But this is one of those that can be a subtle issue even if you don't think you're a micromanager, because we are so connected now through text, through email, even social media. If you're 
you know, linked with people you work with on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. It's just so easy to contact people. And I talk about this constantly about telling people set boundaries of when a t- when you're going to be contacted and when you're not. Like me personally, I, I tell them all the time, my ringer is always on for my phone all the time. But some of my, most of my other notifications aren't on when, I, when I'm off work. So if you want to text me something just to tell me whatever, you can do that. But if it's urgent, you need to call me. But if I'm not there or if you're not there, it better be urgent. Like it has to, there's something that has to happen. And this is stuff that should never be normal or happen daily. You're not in the building. What You're not going to be able to help anybody do anything. But this is that, that one's probably the, the most abused one. Even if you don't intend to be a micromanager, or maybe you're truly not one, but that particular one, I think just because of the connectivity of people, is just too easy to, oh, I just want to drop a note real quick and do that. It, and it's almost kind of the same thing too. So many people work from home right now, ever since COVID hit a couple of years ago, and they made these little makeshift home offices, things like that. And and maybe you don't have enough space to where your home office can be separated from your normal living space, if you will. And it's almost like, how do you disconnect from work if it's always staring you in the face? And when you're constantly reaching out to people, even though in your own brain you're saying, oh, well, it's not, I don't need an answer right now. It's not super important, but you constantly barrage them with communication when they shouldn't be thinking about work. That's where you're bringing their mindset back to. And it's not healthy. And you've got to create some boundaries and some space for that. So number five, you explain and direct everything down to the nth degree. Boy, is there anything more degrading and showing lack of respect for somebody else's intelligence when you think you have to explain every little thing about everything? And you might think that's not a micromanaging thing because maybe you are the true blue expert on all of those things, or it's just got to happen a certain way or something like that. But you're never going to get people to give you their best when you're doing these things. This example kind of reminds me of if you really think about a very, very high level dining experience at a five-star restaurant and how everything is set up on the table and how the services and things like that and there's always a hierarchy of who's doing what versus you know a waiter, a server versus a maitre d versus the chef. Maybe the chef comes out. All of that and everything has to be just so. And if you have to explain all that, just think of how you're really insulting somebody's intelligence over like they can't figure that out or you know nothing's more annoying than somebody who has to constantly prove to you how smart they are. All of those things really can just wear you out. So those are five things that, well, not the, certainly not the only five, but five great things that really you know show some signs of micromanaging. But when you think about those five things, do or, or on any level, are you doing any of those things? And whether you intend to or not, it's very possible. But let's switch gears here for a minute. How often do you feel frustrated? that you have to micromanage others. How much time are you a high-priced babysitter? Because that's kind of how it feels. 
And that's not a good feeling at work in a professional environment that you should be babysitting anyone. But you know the feeling. Why do some people you know, report to me, get paid what they get paid, and yet I have to make sure they do every little thing the right way? Like I was saying before, I know it kind of sounds very negative to say it that way. And, and certainly it's not something you want to constantly throw in somebody's face. I pay you this, I pay you 85 grand a year. But it's not about that. It, it's really more about a theory and thinking about really why. Why is this person in this position if I've got to micromanage? Did I hire the wrong person? Maybe they were there when you got there and there's nothing you can do about it. But you have to start asking some of those questions of why are we paying for this person if I've got to do all this micromanaging? It makes no sense at all. So you got to ask yourself, is it them or is it you? When you feel like you're micromanaging or babysitting, ask yourself, is this necessary? Where is the disconnect here? Did I create this situation through a lack of development? Am I afraid to invest? And not to be negative, but ask, why am I paying for this person? Did I want people to run with the ball or did I just want a bunch of followers? Just a bunch of people to fawn over me and wait for me to come in to figure out what to do. None of that really makes any sense. But you, when, you're, when you're in a state of why am I micromanaging so much? Because you don't want to and you know it's not productive. You know it's not healthy. And you know you can't say, oh, my team is super awesome if I have to make every decision. All of those as a leader, those things really start weighing you down, really start draining your energy. And you're not getting the best out of your people and you know it. But you have to start asking some of these questions of yourself of why am I micromanaging? I don't want to. I want people to be on their own. So ask these questions and figure it out. You don't want a bunch of followers just following you around. But then again, how can you use micromanaging to your advantage? Or even better, use it to improve your team. It, it sounds like, well, after all the stuff you just said over the past 20 minutes, what do you mean use it to your advantage? But there are some, some places here that it makes sense. Now, obviously, the examples I used before, you kind of have to if you're talking about a, a patient dying in an emergency room or a house is literally on fire and all of that. But micromanaging can become a teachable moment. In other words, you're saying, if I'm micromanaging, it's important. So this is where you kind of can have license to micromanage and make sure things get done right. Because, hey, let's face it, at the end of the day, it's still your head if things aren't right. And you don't, you know, when, when we don't execute and we don't achieve goals, we don't do the things we need to do, you can only say this for so long, well, I'm developing, well, I'm, I'm training, well, I'm doing this, well, I'm doing that. But there's just certain pieces of the things that you do that you can micromanage to make sure it gets done right, but you're not doing it very often. So what you're really saying is, hey, if I'm micromanaging, this little piece is super important. And then start asking yourself, can the person reporting to you do it? So once you've done that important piece that you're micromanaging because it has to happen, can your team really start doing it on their own? Because 
You want them to get to a point, obviously, where they can do it, and then you move on to something even higher level. And you, in a sense, micromanage that to make sure it's executed properly, and then the team starts executing on that. And you can move on. You see how this is working out? So you're micromanaging on the things that truly, really matter that, hey, I'm there with you, I'm involved in it, making sure, directing traffic that it happens, and then I can back off and let you do some other things or you take it from here and then I move on to the next thing. So what you're really talking about is your execution time versus your creation and implementation. That's really what we're talking about here is you're you're stepping in in the critical moments of the business cycle, if you will, to make sure it gets done right, to make sure that they execute the way they should so you get the results you're looking for. That's okay. And it has a bigger impact when you're only doing it on those important points. So if you really feel frustrated that you're micromanaging too much, start thinking about how can I use it to my advantage to where I can dip in when it's super important and dip back out when I know the team has it. And lastly, be honest about your micromanaging. I mean, ultimately in this whole micromanaging problem, what we're really talking about is trust. What we're really talking about is insecurity versus security on the part of the leader that if they're micromanaging only because they think if they don't, they're going to lose control or people are going to see them as a fraud or maybe they you know nefariously want all of the credit for everything, all of that stuff, those people will get figured out pretty quickly. But what you're really talking about here is trust and trusting your team and really building them up to believe that they can do that. So you have to be honest with them when you're micromanaging and saying, this is why, this is why I'm doing it because this is super important to me and I want to make sure you guys perform at a high level so you can get this and then we can move on to even higher level stuff or higher level goals or more intricate projects, however you want to, you know, whatever your business needs dictate, but start using micromanaging only when you need it. And be honest about why you're doing it so your team can understand you're doing that because you want to get them to victory. So what did we learn today? How did you grow just a little bit? Or more importantly, how can you help someone else grow? That's the whole point of Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, hit that subscribe button. Tell all your colleagues and friends and neighbors all about the show. Give us comments, feedback, things like that. We will grow together and we will see you next week on the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast.